bring to the, what happened. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you so I don't have to say it a million times. So here's what really took place. You should see the other guy. That's all I got to say. No, that's not what happened. I've been in the process of doing an engine and transmission swap in my car, and in between games last night, I was in a hurry, and uh, my shop compressor broke, and I have a gas compressor that was outside, and some dummy left the garage door open this high. And when he was going out to the other compressor, so I'm going to slap him the next time I see him. So, Yes, it did hurt, by the way. Anyway, getting back to our sermon series. I want to tell you a story about a guy named Bill and a guy named John who went to the same church. In fact, they met each other in a, in a Bible study. And as they uh, interacted in the Bible study, they realized they had lots and lots in common, and they became very close quickly. Uh, they both were avid college football fans of an SEC. And uh, for, for sake of the story, we'll just say one was an Auburn fan and one was an Alabama fan, and you can fill in the gaps. So being that they were also very competitive, they were always kind of ribbing each other about their teams, as Auburn and Alabama fans do. And so they just, like I said, hit it off in this Bible study, and they, they had children the same age. You know, they were, they were also about the, the same age. And Bill decided that he was going to ask John one morning if he wanted to grab breakfast before they went to work. So they did, and although it was only really planned to be a one-time thing, what they found themselves doing at breakfast was really talking about life and talking about the Word of God. And they enjoyed their time so much that it became a weekly thing where every week they would meet together, and that's what they did. They talked about life, and they talked about what God was doing in their studying of the Word. And they continued to meet together in the Bible study, and it was just a marvelous time, and, and they met more often than they weren't able to meet. Well, Bill and his wife began to notice that when John was coming, normally he was very much a participant in the Bible study, and all of his answers were what God had revealed to him through the Scriptures that week. But the last two weeks had been different, where John wasn't really, his comments didn't have anything to do with God's Word, but his comments had more to do about the church itself. And so when they met there this one particular morning, uh, Bill observing John noticed that John was acting a little bit different that John really was playing with his food and he really hadn't eaten anything which was highly unusual and uh, so Bill finally said John what's on your mind and then John just began to spew he complained about the church he complained about the pastor he complained about his Sunday school teacher he complained about this and that he complained about not enough programs for the kids not enough stuff for the family to do you know and he went on and on and on and on he said you know Bill, there's so many people in the church just hypocrites. They come and they act one way on Sunday, and I see how they work, live the rest of the week, and my goodness. And then he asked Bill this question. He said, Bill, I, I noticed that you're highly committed to the church. You're, you're involved in, in supporting the leaders very vocally. You give your funds to the church. You serve in the church. And he said this. He said, Bill, are you blind? Do you not see this? And then what he said next shocked Bill. He said, Bill, we love you and your family, but we just can't stay. And he shared that he was, they were going to be leaving the church. You know, the sad truth to this is that this story happens over and over and over in the Americanized church. And here's the question we have to ask. How can you have two members of the church that are doing life together see the church so different? And so as we continue this morning, I want us to really look at what it means to be a church member, a church member that God calls us to be so that we can see the church through his eyes rather than ours. 
the reality is that the Americanized church has so distorted the church in America that the church in America is in dire straits. And just to unpack this a little bit more, if I were to tell you this, if I were to say that 150,000 churches were about to die, what would your response be? What if I said it was going to happen in the next two years? We'd probably say, let's, let's pray. We've got to do something about this. But here's the reality. 150,000 churches, according to Tom Rainer and the research that he's done, are in the last stages of death. And I would suggest it's because the Americanized idea of what church is has so distorted our view of God's word that when we read God's word, we have so contextualized it in Americanized Christianity that we miss the whole meaning in the, in the first place. And a lot of it has to do with our view of membership. You know, as we've seen in, in, in the weeks past, when we look at what membership is, you know, we, we realize that the Americanized view of what membership is is different than the biblical view. But may I, let me just paint this picture a little bit more. And you can even see this this morning as you look across this congregation. That with each new generation that is being born in this country, less and less of them are coming to church. So the boomer generation, those that are, um, you know, those that are born before 1946, two-thirds of them will be in church this morning. The millennial, however... Those born between 1980 and 2000, only 15% of them will be in church this morning. There is a marked difference between generations in their commitment to God. And the question is, why? May I suggest that we have so adopted the Americanized Christianity uh, view that it has distorted our view of church? Here's another harsh reality. Only 21% of people in this country today will be in churches this morning. We are not doing an effective job in reaching our communities for Christ with the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we have got to be laser-focused on what God says in His Word. And so as we go through this morning and next week, we're going to look at some signs. There's six of them. We're going to go over two this morning of what it means to be a healthy church member that where we are focusing on the mission that Jesus left us, which is to multiply disciples with the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what our mission statement is. But the idea comes from the great commission to make disciples of what all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and teach him to obey everything that i have commanded you that's the mission that jesus left with the church there is no other mission it is not about us it's about him and it's about his mission and we understand that it gives us a different perspective and so the first thing that is absolutely necessary for us to be the church that god calls us to be is to be a participating member in a body of christ we have to be an active, participating member. God has not only rescued us and spared us from disaster, He's called us to be part of His church. He's called us and planted us in a local church to use the gifts that He's given us when we receive Jesus Christ together in the body of Christ. However, we, as we've seen in weeks past, that what has taken place in memberships across the United States is that church membership is all about me. And see, that's the difference between John and Bill. Bill understood it's not about him, it's about Christ. John was wrapped up in what our culture teaches him, that it's all about you. Here's what Rainer says in his book. And by the way, a lot of, a lot of these points come out of Tom Rainer's book, I Am a Church Member. Short book, 
uh, easy read, very thought-provoking. I encourage you to, to maybe check it out. But here's what he says in, in, in the book. He says, membership, and he's talking about what I'm saying is Americanized church. Membership is about receiving instead of giving, being served instead of serving, rights instead of responsibilities, and entitlements rather than instead of sacrifices. This wrongful view of membership sees tithings and offerings as membership dues that entitle members to a never-ending list of privileges and expectations instead of an unconditional, cheerful gift to God. We have so twisted and distorted what membership is that it really has become, for most of us that are growing up in the church, this accepted thing because we've never seen anything different. We looked at this verse last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 6, that if, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, then all rejoice together. And we tend to think about this in the context of, hey, if somebody's sick and, you know, or somebody dies, and by the way, Emma West went on to be with the Lord yesterday afternoon and praise God for that, that she's now in glory with God. You know, but we tend to think about this verse in that context. When we lose a loved one, when we lose a member of the church, then we all suffer. I want you to look at it from a different perspective. When one member is not able to, for whatever reason, to use their gift for the glory of God, the whole church suffers. Remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is written, it's, it's talking about the body of Christ. It's talking about being the body of Christ. You know, and when we read this verse, we need to keep it in the context of what it was written, that when we are not the body, because we're not using the gifts God gives us, all of us suffers. Now, there's many reasons why somebody may not use the gift. Sometimes it's out a little bit out of fear or um, insecurity that I, I can't do that. I, I can't teach because I don't know enough. Well, guess what? Neither do I. I don't know everything that the Bible says. God continues to reveal stuff to me every single week. But here's the reality. You know more than others. And God can use you to lead them a little bit closer to Christ with the information that he's allowed you to understand to this point. But a lot of us out of fear don't do it. But here's another reality that happens in far too many churches is that some people want to serve and they're given the Heisman. Sorry, we don't need you. This is just as much of a unbiblical mindset of what church membership is as those who have a gift that don't use it. You see, we are one body in Christ. God has called us to come together as one body from all different perspectives, using the gifts that he's given us to faithfully administer God's grace in its various forms, both to one another and as we go out to be the church. And so I want you to consider this verse from the context of when we do not use our spiritual giftedness, for whatever the reason is, the whole body suffers. We need to be a member who is participating together with one another for the sake of the kingdom that is going forth. When you think about membership in clubs and communities, you know, what, what is required to maintain your membership? Pay your dues and you get the services that are available, right? Now consider the Americanized church. What's required for membership? Is it really any different? You can be a CEO Christmas, Easter only, put a little coin in the plate when it comes by, and you maintain your membership, right? Or you give a year-end gift, you never once lay a finger of service in the church, and you maintain your membership. That's what church membership has become in the Americanized church. And may I just say that is totally unbiblical. 
Church membership 101 is that Christ died for me to pay for my sins. He rescued me and he rescued you from disaster. And he's called us to be part of his church. Praise his holy name. And then guess what he's done? In the midst of our sin and our mess, he's gifted us with these spiritual gifts. And he says, use them for my glory. Amen. We don't have to serve in the church. As we said last week, we don't have to do time. We get to out of giving God glory because of what he's done in our life from freeing us from the bondage of our past. We get to serve. And then God brings all those together. He brings all those together so that we can be one body in Jesus Christ, that we can see things happen that only he can do as we become the church. What's the most popular passage in first? What's the most popular chapter in first Corinthians? 13. Did you ever notice that 13 comes after 12? Yeah, 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 I know you're a dumb jock, but yeah, I got that one. <laughs> chapter 12. One body in Christ. Chapter 13. The love chapter. There is no coincidence that chapter 13 comes after talking about being one body. We often use chapter 13 in weddings so that the husband can declare his love for and that's great. But it really is in the context of being one body, in the context of being the church that we are to love and to give God all the glory through our love. You know, when it comes to looking for churches, we ought to be at, and even when it comes to being a part of church, we ought to be asking two questions. The first is this. Where is it that I can serve within this local body of believers? You know, back when Carrie and I were on staff with Athletes in Action, before I was a pastor, when we would get transferred, one of the things that I disdained the most was trying to find a church. It's difficult to find a church, but it really isn't. If we would ask these two questions, where can I serve? Where can I use my giftedness in this body of believers? We would have a proper perspective. Not what can I get out of it. Not that I like the music. Not that I like the preaching. Not that my kids enjoy it. Those are not bad things in and of themselves. But that's the consumer mentality that our culture has driven into us. It's more about where can I serve in this body of believers. And second is how can I, with the gift mix that God has given me, help others grow closer to Jesus Christ? That's being a church member. That's the difference between Bill, who was pouring into John, and John, who was in it for himself and his family. God calls us to be an active participant in a church. Here's my desire in this next year, that we'd have a very strategic shift in our thinking. And this is probably going to upset some of you. I'll probably hear about it. Go ahead and email me. That's right. I'm going to. The Bible tells us not to give up coming together as the body, not part of the body, but as the body. There's something special about corporate worship when the body comes together. As we've seen, we're also to be an active participant in the church. My desire this next year is that every single member would give a minimum of one to two hours of service to this body throughout the week. Now, for some of you, Sunday's it. I get that. You're busy. But how about this? We came to church on Sunday for corporate worship, and then the other hour we served. Let me say that again. Let us sink in. We don't serve during Sunday school and forfeit corporate worship. We flip the two. And out of Sunday school, 
we are encouraging and holding one another accountable out of Sunday school to go serve. Beth could use all sorts of help with the kids. You know, and you know what normally happens to get enough people to work in the kids' department? You make all the moms serve. Well, all of you that have been moms, especially of multiple kids, you know what it's like to come and just want a break. In fact, one mom, the first hour I poked my head in the door and she was in there by herself, she just wanted a break. How much of a benefit would it be to our moms like that, some who are single moms, to come to church and not have to go serve watching kids, but to come and to be fed and to be filled so they can make it through the week? You see, one body coming together to serve. Let me tell you what our youth did last Sunday night. A total of 49 youth and workers decided that they were going to go out and show the love of Christ in this town. And they went all over the place. Some, some of the girls went over to Walmart and they were carrying groceries. And I understand, you know, I think it was Carly went up to this first guy and said, hey, we would like to just, we just like to carry your groceries. And he said, get away. That happens every once in a while. But then they kept, they persevered and they ministered to numerous people. One lady wanted to give him money. Like, we're not looking for money. We're just wanting to show you the love of Christ. What an example for us as adults. Kenny Heath took the high school boys down to cookout. Now, if you're a high school boy and you go to cookout, what do you want to do? You want to eat, right? That's not what they did. Here's what they did. And I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I'd have done this as a high school boy. He, he had them go to people who were already sitting down at the tables and ask if they could pray for them. And they did this to almost every table in that place. Others went to different parts in the community. And my understanding is that there was immediate fruit from one hour of service. 49 people reached 100 and I think 29 people in one hour. One guy was from Northern Virginia. And his comment was this, hey, are you all a church group or something? Yeah, actually we are. And they just were encouraging him. And then he said this. He said, you know, I hadn't been in church in a long time. I think it's time I go back this Sunday. That's right. And then another one they spoke to was had moved in the, into, the, into this country from another country, you know, and they were invited to church. I'm not even sure if they're here this morning, but they said they were going to come this morning. Praise God that our youth are being active participants in the body of Christ, and God is blessing their faithfulness in abundant ways. What would it look like if all of us would make that level of commitment, what would it look like if every one of our Sunday school classes and all the groups we have, small groups and Bible studies, that a minimum of once a quarter, I'd like to see it once a month, decided they were going to do something like that? Whew. Tell you what, this place would not be the same. God would do such a miraculous work that it would transform us. You know, and you know what? One of the best things that I heard came out of all that? Here's what the youth said. Hey, can we do this again? Amen is right. Yeah, we can do this again. How about they grew up in a church where that's the norm? 
And everywhere they go, they're looking for an opportunity to share the love of Christ. If we want to be the church that God has called us to be, we need to be active participants in the body of Christ, participating members. But secondly, we need to be unifying members. We need to be so committed to the unity in the church, remembering that it's not our church, remembering that Christ paid the ultimate price, not just so that we could have this relationship with him and not just so that our lives could be transformed. He did it for us to be one body, to go let the whole world know about who he is. He did it so that we could see him do miraculous things through us. And unity is of us most importance for the body of Christ because the enemy wants to destroy it we need to remember that unity is so important matter of fact turn with me to John chapter 13 I want you to see a couple things in in John chapter 13 that Jesus had given this command it's the new commandment that Jesus gave in verses 34 and 35 he says this he said a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Listen to th verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. First Corinthians 13, right after being the body of Christ, here's Jesus commanded disciples, man, if you would just love one another as I have loved you, man, everybody will know. They will know that you are my disciples. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's speaking to the Ephesian church in verse 1 through 3, and he says, you know, therefore, I, I Paul, a prisoner for the Lord. I'm a prisoner. I have no rights. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. You've been called to be the church with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. God has called us to be his church. He's calling us to maintain the unity and the bond of peace for his sake, because it's not our church. Bill understood it wasn't his church. John wasn't there yet. And their perspective, because of the lens they look through, one saw God transforming lives, the other saw hypocrites. We've got to be on our guard to maintain the unity of church because there's far too much at stake. 150,000 churches are in the last stages of death. And unless something miraculous happens, they will be no more. If you think our country is in a bad state of mind now, guess what it'll be if those churches close their doors? I want to share with you the one thing that will instantaneously destroy the unity in the church. It's gossip. In fact, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 1. And I want to read for you where, where the writer of Romans puts gossip in the list that he puts it in. Because we oftentimes don't put gossip where it needs to be. Let's look at verses 29 through 31 of chapter 1. Here's what the writer of Romans says. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Listen to this. 
they know God's righteous degree. That those who practice such things, they deserve to die. But they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. We need to understand where God puts gossip. Some say gossip is idle talk. Others say that it's rumors, while others say it's, it's unproven personal or private information about others. Whatever it is, understand this. Gossip is one of Satan's favorite tools to destroy unity, and it happens instantaneously. All the things God's doing around here, bringing glory to himself, one thing we cannot ever tolerate is gossip or discord. We have to hold unity, the unity of the body of Christ through the shed blood of Jesus Christ at such high importance. Now, here's what I'm not saying. When I say unity, I do not mean conformity. I don't mean that we have to agree on everything, but we do have to be unified together. We can agree to disagree on some things, but here's the reality. We always have to come back to what God's word says about everything that we do. As we conclude this morning, I want you just to consider how can you become more of a participating member of a body of Christ? And how can you do a better job of being a unifying member of a body of Christ? Specifically, I want to ask you, what is the next step for you? What is the next thing that the Holy Spirit is asking you or calling you to do? For some of you, it might be joining a local body of believers. It could be this church. If you're in town visiting, it might be another church that God's calling you to be. But being an active participant of a local body of believers. For others of you, it might mean taking the next step. And that next step might be that you give up some of the things you're doing so other people can come in and serve. And then you find the next thing that God has for you. For some of us, we're just bench warmers. I was there for a while. We're just bench warmers, sometimes out of fear. I don't know enough. Well, it's time to get off the bench and say, God, where is it that you would have me serve? How can I serve in this body of Christ and just dive in somewhere? The best way to find out that you're not called to do something is to do it and find out that, nah, you had not gift me in this. And then go find something else. And you realize, man, I enjoyed that. That was awesome. Well, guess what? That's probably in the area of God's giftedness to you. But what is the next step for you to be a participating member in a local body of believers and a unifying member? What is the Holy Spirit specifically saying to you the next step is? God's desire, my desire for you is that you would just respond in obedience to however the Holy Spirit is leading you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for calling us to be members of your church. God, I thank you for the, the privilege and the honor that it is to be redeemed, to be brought out of the slavery of our sin. But God, help us not to leave it there. Help us not to just be okay with being saved from our sin. But God, help us to continue to be redeemed. Help us to continue to be seeking to use the gifts that you've given us for your glory, for the edification of the body, but Lord, to take your mission to all those who don't know. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit would testify to our spirits, that your spirit would communicate with ours what the next step for us is to be in obedience. And God, that you would help us to walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, amen.